More time to compute and more time to talk about computing. Good evening, everyone, to another edition of Point and Click Radio. I'm Bob Lawton. I'm Jim Hyde. And I'm Toby Molina from the Point and Click Research Desk. Hey, Research Desk. How's things back in the, in the library? <laughs> Fantastic. Welcome, you guys. Well, I missed the show two weeks ago. I was out, as Jim said, I was out doubling shoveling snow by candlelight yes the image of that yes i had i had a row of birthday c- candles on the handle of my shovel oh boy <laughs> yeah things are a little better this week somewhat yeah anyway we're zooming in to kzyx tonight and um we're going to bring you another edition of point and click radio Who we have we- our usual grab bag of news items today we want to uh, we want to do an update of our last show's tip of the week um, with Toby, uh, where we talked about the the Starlink satellite internet system. Um, there are there have been some uh, developments just in the couple of last weeks, in the last couple of weeks, and we've also learned a couple of things um, about the Starlink system that people may be interested in who are considering it. Um, we want to talk about a web browser that is not a new web browser, but is a new web browser to me anyway. It's one that I've only started trying out called Vivaldi, um, and it has a lot of really cool features that um, make it uh, might just become my new browser of choice. Um, we'll have a couple of other odds and ends throughout the show, and then the second half hour we'll open up the phones and take calls and questions. Uh, but uh, first up, we want to start with some uh, some. Uh, Big tech that has been in the news lately. Hey, Vivaldi browser. Did did they have uh, spring, summer, fall, and winter versions of that? There are different themes that you can okay, use. Okay, so themes. Kinda. Themes. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we're going to just fly f- at 40,000 feet over all the local news for just a little bit. And this is going to be more of a grab bag stuff I've been hearing in the last couple of weeks about st- what's going on with big tech. Because big tech is just, it just keeps on getting bigger. We keep calling it big tech, but I think they've gotten bigger than big. Don't you think huge so? Huge tech. Huge mega, tech. Mega tech. Mega huge tech. And we're mostly talking about Apple, Facebook, Google and Microsoft, because they're all still the biggest. Oh, and Amazon. Who could forget Amazon? Can't forget Amazon. Can't forget Amazon. Although they're slightly, they're really in the big tech because I think Amazon Web Services, which is their cloud-based service that they offer to everybody, um, and I think also didn't it get hacked by the um, that that hack? What was the Solar Winds? Was that the company Solar Winds? That was the. Um, I think that may have, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that may have affected the enterprise AI networking US. server, uh, enterprise network working services system, SolarWinds got hacked uh, by an extremely sophisticated uh, bunch of hackers. And uh, they were able to penetrate everywhere, I think, into Amazon Web Services. Anyway, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Facebook, and Google. Have all been in the news to some extent or another. One thing that uh, caught my attention was the uh, the government of Australia basically said to Google, "You're just coming in here and swooping down and gathering up all the news stories from all the news providers, and you're putting them up on your website, and you're not sharing any of your revenue. You're going to have to share some of your revenue with all these Australian, um, you know, publishers and and news sources and stuff." 
And Google said, no, we don't have to do that. You know, we're Google. <laughs> and if you don't like it, we're going to pack up and go home. And so Microsoft, you know, heard this and called Australia and said, hey, we'll come down and set up our Bing search engine. And we'd be happy to share some of our, you know, advertising revenue with your publishers and, and uh, you know, reporters and stuff like that. And then like a day later, I guess Google came crawling back saying, well, you know, we might be able to come up with something. And uh the uh, person I heard being interviewed was uh, Brad Smith, who was uh, chief counsel for Microsoft way back in the uh, antitrust days. Remember those, Jim, back in the sure. 90s? Now he's president of um, Microsoft, not CEO, but president. And he's a lawyer. And um, he was saying that uh, it's possible that this kind of a situation can get into what he called baseball arbitration. I don't know that much about baseball or arbitration, but do you, are you familiar with that? I know a lot about baseball. Yeah. Um, I guess the deal is that in, in baseball, each person submits their offer, their best offer to a, an arbitration board, and the arbitration board picks one. So conceivably, the Australian Arbitration Board could pick the one that the Australian publishers picked rather than the one that Google picked if they do that. Right. So right. this is a story that's developing, and it's really interesting because I think it's going to start to become a trend. People are getting a little tired of these corporate tech giants basically coming in and hoovering out all the profits from for, you know former uh, news sources and stuff like that. Nobody buys newspapers. They just look at whatever pops up on the uh, – notification on their smartphone yeah 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 i i think it's 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 interesting that you know the the uh that microsoft as soon as there was talk of australia um or google threatening to pull out of australia microsoft coming in and saying hey mates yeah <laughs> we've, we've got a search engine here yeah. happy to uh happy to play in that sandbox we'll bing one for you <laughs> that's exactly right yeah um apple is going to release the features in the newest version of their iOS and iPad OS. The, it's the uh, software that runs on your iPhone, if you have an iPhone. Last summer they announced they were going to have um, opt-in ad and, um, well, what, what do they call it? When the software that you load on your iPhone tracks you around to different sites, even if you're not running that software, even if you're not running your Facebook app, if it does something, some way to worm its way into everything you do and all the places you go and reports back to Facebook, all that uh, third-party tracking, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, there's, go basically ahead. A, there's basically a, a, a privacy feud going on between, uh, between Apple and Facebook in particular. Um, ad advertisers in general, but Facebook in particular, because Facebook is one of the... Um, Facebook makes its money by selling ads um, that are tailored to each of us based on the information that Facebook learns about us as we use the service. And <clears throat> Apple um, tends to be is is one of the more privacy oriented um, of the big tech companies um, from a user pers protection perspective, and they are introducing in the next version of the iPhone operating system some anti-tracking features where a app has to 
put a notice up on the screen saying, hey, this app wants to track you as you visit other website. Say, will you allow that? Yes or no? Yeah. Are you cool with that, with them snooping around <laughs> and, and selling your data? Yeah. What do you think the odds are that most people are going to say, yeah, no, don't track me? You know, I think um, Mark Zuckerberg thought that for about that for about a nanosecond and thought, well, that's not a very good idea. And went and took out a full page ad in the New York Times, bemoaning the plight of the small businesses that will suffer. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And I'm reading here from a uh, from a um, from a uh, news article um, that originally appeared in CNET. Um, Facebook has been fuming about this change, which threatens the source of its $86 billion in annual revenue, targeted ads. Mm -hmm. The social network has, month, has waged a months-long campaign against Apple running full-page ads in the national newspapers and testing pop-ups inside the Facebook app to encourage, to encourage users to accept its tracking. It's good for you, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, Somebody said that if Congress won't write... Uh, privacy laws that that tim cook will <laughs> there you go there yeah you go. i think that i think that's it because that's one of their that's that's one of the things that apple uh, promotes uh as uh you know one of their selling points is that they treat your da data with privacy yeah absolutely and i always follow that with the big asterisk that it kind of really grates me come on tim you don't have to do this Apple makes its money in other ways. Apple accepts about nine to twelve billion dollars a year from Google. Yes. In order for Google to be the default search engine on your iPhone, on your iPad, right? Or your Macintosh. So there's a little bit of corporate incest going on there. As there's, much as people yeah. scream about Google, Apple is uh, happily reaching their hand under the table and getting that <laughs> default search thing. Yeah. Which yeah. is only a default. It, it's not. It's not. Um, you know. That's right. It's That's not right. to bolt. Changer. It's not bolted down in the hardware. You can switch over to DuckDuckGo, like Jim and I and everybody else we know has. That's right. And exactly. what, what we recommend here, or Bing, or Bing, or Bing. <laughs> yeah, Bing, Bing, Bing's okay. Anyway, there's some stuff about Google I love. There's stuff about Google. I, I mean, I every time I get in the car and want directions, I usually use Google Maps, not Apple Maps. I go, to, I go to Apple Maps if I want to see the pretty pictures, you know, the, the nice 3D view of Paris or something like that. Yeah. Microsoft. What has Microsoft been up to? You tell me. Um, Besides being willing to go into Australia. Oh, that was it. That was the thing, thing about Australia. Yeah. Um, they've changed their corporate rule on political donations. That's a little obscure, but I thought that was interesting because... Um, like a lot of big companies, they, they just kind of spam out the corporate donations, and I guess they uh, they got caught with their uh, suspenders sagging on this last last go around. Yeah, I think a lot of the big a lot of big companies, you're right, tech and otherwise, have said, you know, it's just all a little too charged right now and a little too controversial, and we know that if we give to one candidate, we're going to get annoyed by voters for a different candidate. So we're just going to set sit this next election. You think you think it's getting a little charged? <laughs> just a bit, from what I hear. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have much to report on Amazon except Jeff Bezos keeps making more money and and they uh, their uh, sales keep going. Up. Up and everything. One big interesting thing for Amazon lately has been um, one of their big distribution centers um, in the South, Alabama maybe, um, is in the process of voting to unionize. Yes. And 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 Amazon has been, as you might expect, in a company like Amazon to be very much against unionization of its workforce, and. 
um, in order to t attempt to discourage the voting, they were attempting to require in-person voting and not allowing mail-in voting. Even though Amazon was a huge supporter of mail-in voting during the last election, oh. when it came down to the vote uh, of, about unionization, they were they were insisting on an in-person um, vote, and um, the the union that as I forget what the name of the union is that they're, they're attempting to get their employees, the Amazon employees, to join, went to court, and and Amazon lost the case. So that mail-in voting is now taking place, and that is something that a lot of people in the tech and business world are keeping an eye on to see yeah. because obviously if uh, if that first domino falls um or if that first foot gets through the door pick your metaphor yes um then we could easily see more big tech and particularly within amazon uh, organizations wanting to unionize and there was also discussion of the mega cycle this week what's that oh. that is the amazon uh, shift that runs from 1:20 a.m to, oh, yeah. to 11 50 a.m and many workers were told that their um warehouse was being shut down but they were offered a mega cycle shift uh, a 10-hour shift oh. uh impossible for a lot of working mothers and for many many people oh man and it's just part of the larger problem with amazon the new schedule is unworkable particularly for mothers and people with the elderly relatives and um, and during this time, being told that you that that's your choice, either that um, or stay home schedule or lose your job. Oh, geez. so it's all being sort of rolled into this larger issue and this larger desire to unionize. Well, hopefully in this day and age uh, with a union dispute like this, Amazon won't call in the National Guard, you know, like they did <laughs> with the coal miners in the 20s and stuff like that. <laughs> yes. Jeff Bezos, as many people, but he is not Andrew Carnegie. Yeah, yeah, who right. The, who hired the yeah. Pinkerton strike breakers back in my hometown of Pittsburgh. I remember, um, yeah. Many, many years ago. One more Apple thing. We were talking about this before we went on air. Apple um, moved around one of their normally invisible senior executives. I th his name is, is it, I can't remember the name now, but... Uh, he's uh, like a chief of hardware engineering or something like that. He uh, was the first uh, manager of the first iPad development, and uh, he's, his specialty is getting things out the door in boxes, that kind of a thing. And he's left uh, his current role for a, quote, new project, unquote, and we don't know what that is. And we were talking about if it was, a, I think you said, AR slash VR. Well, that's what, the, that's what the news outlets are saying, is that it's AR, VR. Yeah, but my addition was uh, slash C-A-R because there's also been talk about Kia making a car for Apple in Alabama yeah. or someplace like that. And who knows? who knows? It's been all three things have been rumored for a long time. Um, AR is augmented reality and VR is virtual reality. Right. They kind of go together. And, and the and the, the, the Apple's mobile devices, the iPhone and the iPad already have a lot of built in AR features where the camera uh, all, you know, there's even some tourism um, websites where, you know, you point your phone at Coit Tower and a little pop-up describes, you know, information about Coit Tower, for example. Um, and then VR is more like putting the goggles on and you're a whole different world. Right. It has been rumored for several years now that Apple is working on um, uh, products in that area, but there's nothing out there yet. So this guy whose name we cannot remember, maybe, Ron, uh, maybe spearheading that effort. I can't remember. The, 
Uh, maybe our research and desk. Yeah, there's also our research desk can look it up one more. There's also, one more. Right. There's also been talk of Apple. It's Dan Riccio. Dan, Dan Riccio. Riccio. Thank you. Um, yeah, but um, there's also, um, I think the, the uh, Macworld podcast was talking about maybe he's going to be going and uh, ushering into reality a, a touchscreen Mac um, laptop, possibly, or something like that. You know, because I guess he was, yeah, they associated him with a lot of screens. I, w- I don't, I don't, I, I don't think they w- it would have made a headline status if that was the thing. No, and I, d- I don't think that's just, I don't think that's in the cards for Apple. I mean, they're, they're so, they're two such different user interfaces. There's, they're, you know, they have the people at Apple have been asked about that. Yeah. Over and over again. Why aren't you going to do a touchscreen, uh, you know, um, laptop? Um, and they say, yeah, no. For a laptop, you use your trackpad or your mouse. And for your phone or your tablet, you use your fingers. Right. Yeah, I, I, I think I kind of agree with that. The car, on the other hand, um, I would love to see. You know, you, you've you seen James Corden do the carpool karaoke, right? Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I would love to see him doing carpool karaoke with tim cook you know and there's a close-up <laughs> of the windshield and then the, the camera pans back and then they're driving in the new apple car right after tim cook releases his first album yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> and you can tell you can know that though that you know whatever car apple might come out with it'll be expensive and it'll scratch as soon as you take it off off the as soon as you peel the protective vinyl coating off of it it'll scratch yes covered in thumbprints yeah boy i want to see the first unboxing that's it that's it (laughs) yes it'll come in a white box uh, 20 feet long or something (laughs) okay this is point and click yes this is point and click radio we are the bi-weekly computer show here on kzyx with bob lawton yours truly jim hyde and toby molina at the point and click research desk who has an update for us we talked in our show two weeks ago about uh the starlink satellite internet service this is to very quickly recap this is the um project of spacex the elon musk um um venture where it involves ultimately thousands of small satellites in low earth low earth orbit to provide very fast internet access to pretty much any point on the globe uh, including even antarctica which i actually read an article about how like the science research sessions uh, uh uh, centers uh, installations down there would yeah. love to have real broadband instead of what what they're using now which is so not and um it promises to have a lot of advantages over uh, the current geosynchronous satellite services, things like HughesNet and Exceed and Viasat, where um, the speed is limited by, in part by the distance of the satellite from the Earth, 22,000 miles, and also uh, the latency, the amount of time that it takes for every single mouse click and every single um, uh, bit and bite of a web page takes to get between your fingers or your desk and the satellite and then back down to earth the low earth the low earth aspect of starlink um, addresses that and basically provides internet that is pretty much as good as what uh, uh, you know city folks can get with the likes of cable service and um, and the like so um, it's in beta now what they call the better than nothing beta better than nothing okay it may not. Uh, they're, they're not promising 100% reliability. They're they're uh, issuing the ca- caveat that the performance may vary 
and be down entirely occasionally. But as they launch more and more satellites and tweak and fine-tune the, uh, the system, they are making it available to people who are willing to um, tread that bleeding edge in the interest of getting some fast internet uh, now rather than wait until it's completely fully ready for the prime time. Well, when we did the show two weeks ago, the Starlink website was saying you sign up for our limited beta, the nothing um, program, and we'll let you know if you get accepted or not. Well, just within the last week, they have actually begun taking orders for the hardware here in our area. And um, what else do we know about it, Toby? I think it's actually been in the last 24 to 36 hours that oh, they wow. have uh, activated the order now button. <clears throat> it was that you would put in your email address and send that off into the black hole of, I hope somebody tells me something someday that uh, that I can participate in the beta. Uh, now you can put in your address, um, and I'm finding friends um, all over the country are having the same result. Put in your address, and suddenly you have an uh, order now, an active order now button. Um, what you'll find is uh, that you have to make a $99 commitment uh, now with very little additional information other than you are told that uh, it is uh, you can get your money back at, uh, at any time. They're not making any promise that it means that you're going to get your internet ever, uh -huh. uh, but right now uh, they're taking orders on a first-come, first-served basis saying that They'll start rolling out mid-2021 to late-2021. We're really left with more questions than we have answers. But it's so exciting to see that button come alive uh, that I know a lot of people have already signed up and offered up their $99. Now, when you do actually, I think, get an installation date, you will be asked for an additional, I think, $549, I believe, uh, maybe less. I don't when know. Actually, have the when, ready to ship to you. Right. No. It's five hundred plus dollars, um, but there's very little information about plans. In fact, there's no information about the plans. <laughs> it's so little that there's none. Um, it's still very unclear. Um, you know, to some degree, it's vaporware at this point. Yeah. You're sort of sending your hopes and dreams and ninety nine dollars uh, to Starlink and hoping for the best. Um, there are there are some very real questions here. One of them being, do you have to have an iPhone or an Android device mm. in order to set it up? And if so, that is limiting. Absolutely, that's a problem. You know, in in our area where there isn't a lot of cell coverage, or there are a lot of dead zones for cell coverage, a lot of people have not invested on in the pricier smartphones like an iPhone or an Android phone. And they use, you know, less expensive, you know, um, what are they, um, I want to call them burners because I used to watch the wire, <laughs> but um, track, track phones, yeah. track phones. Um, and um, the people use when they off, go off on the road and that's completely fine. But there is an app, a Starlink app Correct. that you use that actually uses AR, augmented reality, to help you, to help you. judge the best place to put it. Uh, the, the, the best place to put it, put the dish on your property. And then you also apparently, and this is all from the YouTube videos that we've watched of people who have gotten the hardware already, um, you need to use the Starlink app to actually register. 
Correct. At least that's the case now with the beta program. You have to be able to download the app to use it to get set up. We've put questions out there. We've been trying to get an answer as to whether that's going to be the case for everyone using Starlink because it flies in the face of um, some initiatives that they're talking about. Uh, again, sort of obtusely without having a lot of information, um, you know, providing a low-income tier and, and making it more accessible. If, it, it, if you have to have an expensive phone in order to set it up, that those two things are kind of contradictory. Are, are quite contradictory. So we're hoping to get more information. Um, again, no information about pricing. Uh, we don't have a definitive answer about whether you have to have a smartphone in order to get set up. Um, you know, you're going to need to drill a hole in your house sure, in order to run this thing. Involved. Yeah, there's a <laughs> there's a wire involved, and it's going to have to go to a router inside your house right. uh, or inside some structure. Right. <laughs> and the and the dish will need to be outside or the the um transmitter will need to be outside. Right. So at, you're going to have to run a wire on some level. Um oh. Hey, I hope for $500 they include the drill to drill the hole in the house. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you know, for folks that don't have the wherewithal to do you know such things. I imagine there will be those who are enterprising and will become installers and hopefully you'll be able to talk with somebody. But the question is, can they use their iPhone to set up your right. service? Does right. it have to be your phone with your phone number in order to set it up at your house? It's, some things are very unclear and there's a lot of half information, you know, partial information. And so what we know is you can sign up you have to part with ninety nine dollars. Do we say when? Do we do we know when they expect to ship the? I said mid mid, said, mid, mid twenty mid to late year to late year. Yeah. Um, you know there are a lot of people who are desperate, and yeah. so are anxiously signing up and hoping for the best. But this is very Muskian. Is to you yes, know this is Elon all the way. Something you want so badly that you're willing to send money into the ether, even though the. <laughs> uh, the well, promise is vague. It sounds like what is I can't remember the name of the, what's the site where if you uh, want to start a movie and have people invest online, you gather all your funds together and they have different tiers. Oh, like Kickstarter. Like Kickstarter. Or? Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah. This sounds yeah. more like a kick. This sounds more like a Kickstarter than a than a than a Tesla. It's a Tesla type well, thing. Well, yeah. Somebody somebody made that comparison, but I think what 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 misses where that comparison doesn't hold up is the fact that. Um, each of those launches costs tens of millions of dollars. Yeah, and getting ninety nine bucks from a bunch of people is not going to finance no. deploying a space constellation of satellites. And there were already, I think, about six hundred satellites. Yeah, about six hundred. And there are there's all manner of controversy, of course, around the satellites themselves. And there's a lot of reading to be done about what Starlink says they're doing about you know space garbage and. Right. You know what will happen when they become defunct, and will they crash to Earth, and will we be will it pollute the night sky? And there's uh, there's there's all manner of information. I encourage folks to to go ahead and in the search engine of your choice uh, look into it. And yeah, get informed. Yeah, yeah I'm a fair amount of in information I'm at Starlink.com. You have to kind of scroll down. If you just go to Starlink.com, it looks like a web page with just a box to enter your address and pay $99. But if you scroll down, you will get to more uh, information, including a link, this long technical paper on the SpaceX website that talks about what they are planning to do and what they are doing regarding satellites, their satellites, and how they impact astronomy. Um, I'm still really 
concerned about that. There are there are there are there are workarounds for a lot of that stuff, but this is a new thing. This is nothing. This is you know never. Uh, this is a development project on a planetary scale um, that has never happened before. So, um, well, maybe it happened on Saturn. Maybe that's where all the rings came from. Hey, <laughs> there you go. It's never happened on this planet yes. that we know of. That we know even of. Then, yeah. Even then, that we know. You know, yeah. the dinosaurs they had some pretty good connectivity. I think. I think so. Well, yeah. <laughs> I know they could. So, take- they could kick those little shoebox-sized satellites right up into orbit. <laughs> That's right. So we'll keep you posted um, on the Starlink um, system. You know, we're going to try it out. We know some other people who are going to try it out. Um, you know, obviously, if you have the opportunity to get service from a local provider, whether it's MCN or Pacific Internet or Sonic or Further Reach. Uh, some of the other wireless internet providers in the in the county um, make that your first step, perhaps. But yeah, there are a lot of people who don't have access to any of the above, and that's where uh, Starlink really um, provides a lot of promise. I and think Jeff so. Bezos is working on a similar product too. So there's he's he's you know if one billionaire puts up a constellation, then then the other one's got to have a constellation too. So really, do you think there's going to be twice the number of those shoebox uh, satellites orbiting in low orbit? That could really it's, be could be really junky up there. Yeah, yeah, really. Well, there's yeah, yeah. It's uh. I don't know. It's a da- it's a bit of a dangerous experiment. It, it really yes, but it turns out humans have been really good at dangerous experiments, and a lot of them have not worked out. So, well, it's possible that far into the future, it could do a lot of good things for. Well, for example, if we can cut down on the amount of urban traffic, you know, commuting and stuff like that, if people yeah. can just telecommute from you know. Up in the middle, literally in the middle of nowhere, and still get their high-speed internet. It it could really exactly. change things for the future, and in, in a positive way, you know. Renewal of a lot of small towns that have been, you know, kind of fallen into decay in agricultural areas where the real estate is cheap, and if there's fast internet and a world where more and more jobs are going remote, and companies are realizing that they can be remote, uh, lessons that they've learned over the last year, and individuals can make money. Um, by you know selling on the internet and doing business on the internet, um, the availability of universal internet could be a really transformative, yeah. and beneficial way, and particularly to you know third world countries and developing countries. So, yeah. as with any technology, there is good and bad, and we will always try to bring you both sides of the arguments and both sides of the coin here on Point and Click Radio. Hey, Jim. Oh, speaking of Point and Click Radio, you're tuned to Point and Click Radio, and this is KZYX Philo, KZYZ Willits, and Ukiah. Point and Click with Bob, Jim, and Toby. And, um, you know, ever since the pandemic and stay at home and people working at home, whenever I get on the phone with the uh, representative from the bank or the insurance company or the medical billing, you know, blah, 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 blah. When I finish the business, I say, hey, are you working from home? 
And they say, yeah, oh, I love it. And then it just gets completely personal. We just have a nice chat. Yeah. You know, I've had people just get real friendly and talk about the weather and how are things out in California. And it, it's actually remarkable. And they feel kind of liberated, I think, just being able to, you know, work in their in their bathrobe <laughs> and not have yeah. to go into the office and, and, yeah. and stay. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we, Toby and I work for a big tech, tech company. And because of COVID, uh, we have gone, the company has gone 99.6% remote. Wow. And there have been, you know, we've been remote for um, forever. So for us, it's it's not all that different. We have, uh, each of have our own home offices and that sort of thing. And it's just, it's like, okay, it's, it's not a big deal. But we also know people who have kids and don't have home offices. Oh. And maybe live in small houses and maybe they're both of both the both cup both uh, partners in a in a couple are both now working at home in that hot and that home office free house with kids <laughs> also home from school yeah sharing and the dining room you know, table it's a it's a challenge and it's i think it's one reason why we've seen um a shift in real estate um, values and real estate trends with rents and home prices in San Francisco dropping and rents and home prices in a lot of rural areas are going up because of this exodus from more crowded, more viral places to less expensive places where their money buys more bedrooms and a couple of home offices and uh, and uh, and the ability to do the same job. Yeah. It's a, it's a it's been a it's been a kind of a transformative aspect of the of the of the of the pandemic. And you can never say, well, on the good side of a pandemic, because there's no. not there's never a good side that outweighs the loss of life and the and the and the illness and the economic turmoil that a lot of other people are going through. Um, but it is true that a lot of companies are revisiting their approach to offices and facilities and it's true that the u.s output of co2 dropped dramatically in 2020 because of that i think there's places in the world where people are looking at the stars for the first time in their lives well and that yeah and that too (laughs) so hopefully humanity can take some lessons out of tragedy and and at least yeah, something learn from it. it. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Uh, should we give out the phone numbers? Do we have any more news items? Yeah, let's or? do that. Let's oh, do no, that. no, 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 no. You had a browser you wanted to talk yes, about. Well, yes, yes. well, yes, we, we, we want to we take calls, and um, why don't you go ahead and give out the phone numbers, and while we're waiting for our first call, I'll prattle a, bit, a, a little bit about Vivaldi, my new, possibly, favorite browser. Okay. The phone numbers to reach us here in... Uh, Mendocino County at Mendocino County Public Broadcasting is 895-2448, area code 707-895-2448. And we have a caller who was ready to call, so let's just go to our call, and we'll cover Vivaldi in between calls. Absolutely. Okay. You're on the air. I don't. I don't have hear the caller in my headphones. Hang on, I have the phone on. Yeah, Let's see. You're oh, like a distant. Can you hear me? I've got the oh, how ooh ah, <laughs> it's a little loud now. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Okay, there we go. There we go. There we go. 
Yeah, I didn't have the channel and program. Okay, we're good now. Wait, yes, you're on your air. You're on the air. I have actually two recommendations and one question for your advice. Um, oops, I thought I had. There we go. Um, first of all, I am in need of a new computer. My eight-year-old Toshiba laptop just stops typing vowels, um, <laughs> <laughs> which makes things difficult. Um, and I am shopping around. Um, I'm getting different information about the benefits of an Intel processor versus an AMD processor and whether I need an i3 or an i5 or does it matter if it's AMD or Intel. Can you tell me anything about that? So are you you're planning to stay in the Windows camp? Is that right? Yes, I am. What kind yes. of, uh, what are you using the uh, machine for? It's mostly, I spend a lot of time on Word. I'm a writer and a uh, consultant and I do a lot of time on Word, a lot of time on just many, many tabs of Chrome open, um, some InDesign type of stuff, um, but mostly really low-powered programs, but a lot of them. I have a lot of stuff open all on time. My understanding is that the AMD is, a good, is good for entry to mid-level use, for that just like exactly what you're describing, that Intel you pay more for, and but it's, it's really for more you know, I, I hate to use the word to say pro users because you're a pro, you're a writer. But yeah, uh, yeah. for for more, uh, you know, labor intensive power users for the machine. Yeah. Yeah, power power users, especially, especially people. Do I, was things. The, I was actually under the impression that it, the Intel was cheaper now. That AMD Ryzen chip is apparently getting a lot of buzz or something. Oh well, maybe things have maybe things have changed, but it was in the past that the Intel chips were faster and more power efficient than AMD's. But maybe there has been a, a sea change of some sort. Um, yeah. Well, that's what I thought. I was surprised to hear the others from the promotion of the AMD thing. So, um, are you going to get a laptop or a desktop? La laptop. Okay. Yeah, and I need a 17-inch screen because I need the space, so it's got to be big. Right. Um, as far as I know, the uh, Windows laptops are pretty much a commodity item at this point, you know, and you just figure out which, which uh, you know, maybe go into a store like Best Buy or something that has a, a whole row of them and just see which ones. Try out the keyboard. If you're a writer, you want to make sure you like the keyboard. And because yeah. uh, because of the type of use, you, you know, you're putting this to work on, uh, you really should just be shopping for the most you can get, the best bang you can get for your buck, because you're not going to be using, you know, graphics card uh, heavy or gaming, and gaming crazy types of stuff. So really, stuff. you find a machine that looks, you know, appealing to you and is in your price range. You get, you always want to get the most you can possibly get for the you know, dollars you have to spend. And I think that either AMD or Intel, you're going to do just fine. I, okay. and well, you mentioned you, you think, mentioned you often you have a lot of Based on that, eight gigabytes of RAM is enough. I go Did to you six, say eight? No. no. Sixteen. <laughs> I was, in fact, I was just about to say. You mentioned that you often have a lot of things going at the same time. Get yeah. as much memory as you can afford. Um, yeah. A lot of laptops are limited to a maximum of sixteen sixteen gigabytes. Uh, you might have to get a higher end line to be able to extend to be uh, to get one that is expandable to um, to up to thirty two, but I would 
say don't get anything with less than 16, 16. gigs of ram yeah. um, because okay. it will really make the whole machine just more fluid and responsive when you're doing all of that tab switching and switching between things and programs like indesign although most of what you 80% of what you described when you were saying, well, I use a Chrome a lot and I use Word a lot. I was thinking, yeah, okay. And then you said InDesign. InDesign. And that immediately Boom. set off a bell because yeah. that is a program yeah. that needs some horsepower. Otherwise, it'll just be, it's just painfully slow. So um, you want, and that's, that is possibly the argument for, you know, if a spending a little more on a faster processor. You don't need to go crazy with a high-end, you know, gaming laptop or anything like that. But um, as much RAM as the com uh, computer can accommodate, minimum of 16. Um, I'd say an I I be able to I5, or, a, I5 or I7 uh -huh. processor, too. I wouldn't get an I3. That's sort of their bottom, yeah. that's their yeah. bottom end. Yeah, very okay. much so. Right, exactly. Agreed. That's very helpful. Because I know mine just bugs down when I get a lot going on, and it's so frustrating. And I didn't know if it was the processor or the RAM or probably all of the above. So It could, be, all, it could be a combination yeah, of all those things and the fact that it's all out of vowels. Right. And also, yeah. two, or three or, two or three or four years from now, um, when the programs are bigger and require more power and uh, you know everything's going faster and and more intensive it's good to have that extra cushion when you're starting out with a new machine rather than just saying well this will be adequate for what i need right now well, that's a really good point that's a really good point yeah and whatever you get be sure to do all your backups faithfully yes. and regularly if you're writing you know you should be backing up practically every half hour if you're if you're authoring stuff yeah yeah. What do you think about Windows Defender as a, um, a a virus protection? It's really good. It's Microsoft's okay. own virus protection. Pro, uh, it's free. It comes with Windows, I think, now. And, um, yeah, it is and it, it's probably all you need. The latest versions of Windows are so much more robust, robust than earlier versions. Oh. The Windows, you know, Windows XP was a virus vector, um, but... Um, and there have been other issues with subsequent releases, too, but the latest Windows 10 is a really nice, secure um, operating system. So, yeah, Windows Defender, okay. and then practice well, the usual safe computing, not, not, not opening weird attachments and things like that. Yeah. Well, very helpful. Call us back when very you... Helpful. Can I pay it back now and make a couple quick recommendations? Sure. Um, um, in, the, in terms of the local, local Internet service, um, Ukiah Wireless is really, really... Very mm, excellent. Awesome. I'm out in the hills outside of Ukiah. I can't really get much of anything else. And they've just been really awesome. The service is great. The connection is great. Um, this last bit of storms, everybody was having problems. I didn't have a bit of problem. It's really, really, they're nice. a small little comp company, but really, really good. I can swear to that, too. They're my provider. Oh, yeah, 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 good. Small also, local I providers are Maybe a year or so ago about a... Um, a Gulu battery jump your car kind of jump start thing. It's a it's a it's a battery pack and it's got jumper cables. So you when you have a dead battery like I did this morning, oh, you can yeah, jump start your car bank. with it. But it's, it's a power one bank for it's your car. The little lithium power bank. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah, and you know what? That thing holds a charge. I actually I was in town about a month ago. And the guy next to me had a dead battery. I got him started, and then I forgot to charge it again. But I still got maximum power shown on the dots, the little lights on it. That's awesome. my car. It just doesn't use anything. I could run my 
phone and my computer and everything in the world on it. And then once I jumpstart my car, I can plug it into my car and charge up the device again. Yeah, so, you just have to remember to bring that uh, power adapter for the cigarette lighter. It's in the, well, it comes in a nice little little package, a little little vinyl kind of a uh, binder, and it's got the plug-in cigarette lighter thing right in there. It comes oh, yeah, it all goes all packs together. That's true. Yeah, that's very cool. Well, call us very back when you get your when you call us back when you get the laptop of your dreams. We want to hear how that worked out. Okay, I will. Thank yeah. you so much for your help. It really is a big help. Thanks for calling. Good night. Good, night. Good luck. Bye. Yeah, I didn't. I haven't been following AMD versus Intel, but um, Toby, do you know um, does AMD still make high end processors? Yes. Huh. Of course, Apple there's, doesn't use them, so I wouldn't have any of those sitting around. It's it's not a it's not a, um, a binary uh, choice because AMD is particularly good at some things, and Intel is particularly good at other things, and so it's it really is a use case uh, making the choice because AMD is really good with multi-threaded applications, and Intel is particularly good when it comes to gaming. So it's it, it it's 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 not a simple answer, but when when um, but in what we were just discussing, we're really talking about RAM being uh, more important than, you know, a, a, a current processor from either. Yes. Um, will do the trick as long as there's adequate RAM and it has enough, it has a big enough brain to think about all of the things that you have open at the same time. Yeah. The thing is, uh, at least in my experience, especially looking at the stuff Apple offers, if you go for the best processor, the highest RAM, and the largest solid-state storage, you're really getting up in the bucks. I mean, it just, oh, it can, yeah, it can yeah. double or even triple the cost of the basic machine, which is just yeah. crazy. Yeah. 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 Uh, we got another call. Let's go to our next caller. If I can get the phones to work again. Oh, that sounds like phones, the phone channel coming on. Hi, caller. You're on the air. Hi. Oh, boy, I've been sitting here, this is Robert, I've been sitting here listening to all this chit-chat, and i got all these de ideas uh, listening to what you guys are talking about. Uh, shut me off if I go on too long, but uh, as far as CPU brands is concerned, um, I got re-interested. Uh, I used to work at Apple, and they switched over uh, to uh, Intel chips a couple of decades ago, and the rationale was that Intel had uh, the best performance at the lowest power for laptops, right? And uh, and that's the way it was for a long time. But uh, now recently, um, Apple started using uh, uh, ARM chips uh, right. in their laptops, and so that got me going. I looked into it. I said, "How could those little uh, smartphone chips be powerful enough to run a high-end laptop?" And it turns out that the whole world has changed. Wow. Uh, yeah. AMD has caught up to Intel and uh, yeah. and exceeded them in uh, performance. Uh, I think both in terms of power and just raw horsepower. And uh, and and the ARM chips are comparable or better than the um, than the Intel as well. Surprisingly, uh, considering their their humble beginnings. Yes, so exactly. You, you can't you can't go by the old. Uh, ideas about what's you know i would recommend to that woman to seriously consider any amd i'm sure there's she's not going to get in trouble with that um uh another uh search engine that you guys always forget to mention is startpage.com 
Oh, yeah. has the advantage of being based overseas, so it's not subject to uh, secret subpoenas from the USA Patriot Act. Right. Uh, that might be more important if you're planning to overthrow the government, but it always <laughs> appealed to me. Sure. Uh, oh, I don't think anybody would try that. Come on, Robert. No, no, no. Have a little, have a little faith in our democracy. <laughs> but, Robert, are you, you're feeling positive about the new Apple M1 chips that are based on the ARM designs? They, they are sitting Now, I'm not sure, you know, as far as people converting their code to work on a different basis, you know, I'm sure there's going to be hiccups. But Apple wouldn't be doing it if they didn't think they could pull it off. Yeah, and 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 the the, the basic hardware has got plenty of horsepower. Yeah, Toby actually got a new new uh, MacBook Pro with the M1 and chip, it's, and it's and it's got the uh, still retains some of the power advantage of the uh, smartphone chips. Oh yeah, so the battery life is staggeringly long. Uh, you're talking about remote working. I saw a good one the other day. The city of Natchez, Mississippi, is offering their reaching out to remote workers for people who want to move to a historic little town in the deep south and live at a you know much uh, lower cost lifestyle they're offering money to remote workers who want to move there for a year and and buy a house uh starlink that uh set me off because i was reading an article about uh you remember i think it was google had this thing in africa using balloons to provide yeah. cell phones from the sky well, it seems that Starlink has kind of collaborated that, and they're retiring it. And it turns out that those balloons were pretty expensive, and they didn't last very long. Right. But they did develop some interesting technology, like communicating over lasers between two units that might, they're going to try and recycle that into space applications. And I think they've uh, used those um, in disaster areas, too, where they've been affected and the local, you know, telecom systems have gone down, that they've deployed those, those, those blimps, those floating yeah. cells. Well, apparently uh, they were actually using it in parts of Africa to provide regular service, and that the balloons were very sophisticated. They were expensive. That was part of the problem. Yeah. They were smart enough. They could change altitude and get into different layers where the winds were going in different directions so that they can maintain a an approximate station over a certain I thought a balloon, okay, that's going to be blowing whichever way the prevailing winds are, and you'll never see it again until it comes around <laughs> the whole way around the earth. But no, they actually had that figured out. But anyway, and then finally, uh, uh, this is a topic that I'm not sure many people are going to be interested in, but the bleeding edge of uh, operating systems. Um, I switched to, to Linux uh, a number of years ago, and it's gotten to be quite convenient. I think that people, uh, many Windows users might want to consider it. Uh, it's more stable. It's free. And uh, uh, anyway, but... Um, well, Robert, Linux... So easy to use. And the, but lately, the community has gotten upset with the amount of corporate influence and including a lot of stuff it was always a little harder to use because they didn't want to build in a proprietary software. It was all based on open software that was published for anybody to use. Right. But there's certain things like the decoding of, of movies. Well, actually, it's not so much the decoding anymore because they get, you know, they'll play MP3 files right out of the box nowadays, even though that's a proprietary software. 
Right. But um, a good tip is if somebody has an older PC that uh, they don't want to try upgrading to Windows, a lot of times they'll make a, a fine Linux machine if you just want to experiment. They're more, they're more efficient. They work well on less powerful machines. Yes. So anyway, the, the other thing was, oh, the re one reason I switched was because I didn't like the uh, smartphoneization of the uh, major operating systems, like when uh, Mac OS started scrolling in the opposite direction. You know, I'm a classic window. Oh office. yes, the scroll up and scroll down. And I want, I want, the, I want the window to move over the page instead of the paper to move under the window. Yeah. So I'm completely backwards when I get on a stock uh, Mac OS now. But you can switch it. You can switch it. It's you in the settings. Yeah. yeah. And but uh, there's other things about the um, the windowing system that has changed, not for the better. And some of yeah. even some of the Linux ones aren't that. Uh, Okay, okay, Robert, we're going to put a wrap on it. Thanks for calling in. Good to talk to you. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks, Robert, as always. Yes, and uh, boy, I remember that thing about the, the internet with the balloons, you know? And, uh, yeah, I think Facebook has, and, has, had, I think Zuckerberg had a balloon. Too. Yeah, people could, people, <laughs> people could do their web searching. And I didn't Bob Dylan write a song about that? The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind, wasn't that? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. Hey, um, we're, we're running low on time, but I wanted to hear about Vivaldi. Tell me about yes. the Vivaldi Browders. I'm curious. I'm always, always into new. Yeah. We always recommend on the show to try and have multiple browsers on your system because, hey, sometimes a website doesn't work right or a browser somehow loses its mind and it doesn't work right and you've got another browser to fall back on. There are, um, of course, you know, the big, the big one is Chrome, the 800-pound gorilla. There's also Microsoft Edge. On the Apple side, there's Safari. And there are a couple of their other... Um, Lesser-known browsers that have some really interesting features. We talk about Brave pretty often, which Brave. is a free browser. You can get at brave.com, uh, available for all platforms, and it has a lot of privacy-oriented features in it, built-in ad blocking, built-in tracking blocking, um, so that you don't have to use an extension or an ad block uh, utility to add into your browser, which slows it down a little bit. So having that built in is nice. Hey, well, Jim, doesn't uh, Brave also have a micropayment system? I've never followed up on that, but I think... They have a weird micro system where you can like earn points for visiting websites that are Brave. It's almost like cyber SNH green stamps. Remember those? <laughs> yes, uh, or blue chip stamps. Know, yeah, I, really I think I had... I understand it. I've never done it. I haven't either, but this I thought it was interesting. browser on its own. Yeah. But um, I recently read an article about a browser called Vivaldi, which has been out for a while, but I had never bothered to try it. And I was intrigued, and I decided to download it. And I, there are a lot of things that I like about it. Um, it's available for Windows, for Mac, and Linux, and also available for um, Android. It is not available for Apple's mobile uh, devices, so you can't run it on your iPhone or on your iPad. Um, it is built on the Chromium um, web page rendering engines. That, that basically means that it is exactly compatible with Chrome. So if you use things like Google Docs or websites that require that you use Chrome, Vivaldi works just fine on them, as does the Brave browser, by the way. Yes. What's really cool about Vivaldi, it also has built-in privacy features, built-in ad blocking, built-in um, um, anti-tracking features. 
It has great search engine support where you can, from a pop-up menu up in the browser, you can choose which um, search engine you want to use to do a search. You can even set it for Wikipedia and do a search directly into Wikipedia right from the bar at the top of your, uh, of your browser bar. What I like about it in just playing with it for 45 minutes this afternoon is a feature that is like is such a kind of like a why haven't the other manufacturers of browsers thought of this? And that is the fact that it lists tabs along the side of the browser window rather than along the top. Wow. Because think about it. Your browser is your screen on your laptop or your desktop machine is wider than it is tall. So... There's all that extra space on the left or right-hand side of a web page where your tabs can appear, and that doesn't make that eliminates making your web page smaller, making you have to scroll more often. Right. So there's a little left-hand panel that you can say, okay, I want my tabs to appear on the left-hand side of the uh, of the browser window, and. As you roll the mouse over each tab, it gives you a little tiny preview of what that um, tab, what that page looks like. Oh, that's nice. And then you can just click on it, and obviously it just snaps right into view. There's built-in note-taking. It's almost like the ability to attach a post-it to a web page. When you're on a web page, you can take a note, and it's attached to that page. If you bookmark it, Vivaldi saves the note that goes along with the web page so if you go back to the page your note will still be there your notes will yeah. still be oh there. i love it's that like what a great idea chrome i can't i can't believe extensions it's... work okay chrome extensions work in vivaldi oh yeah chrome yes chrome extensions also work it's got great zooming features you know if you want text bigger there's a little slider at the bottom it's not just you know hitting a keyboard court uh, shortcut yeah. it's dragging a slider back and forth there are all kinds of crazy power user features. If you're a for our for our writer caller earlier today, um, who has a lot of browser windows and tabs open at the time at the same time, Vivaldi is really worth checking out. I like it just from the ground up for the speed, for the built-in ad blocking, and for the built-in um, anti-tracking features. I like it for the fact that it supports a lot of different search engines without having to go in and customize a preference. You just choose whichever one you want from the little pop-up at the top of the browser. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, the notes are really cool. The tabs are really cool. Then there's all kinds of crazy panels and nested tab yeah, pop -up features. pop-up video windows. And, uh, you know, you can play, you know, do PIP. You can do picture-in-picture. -picture. Yeah. You can do keyboard shortcuts. It has a screen cap. It has a... Uh, screenshot tool it has what i like about it is that it steps outside of the box yes there are lots of different browsers yes they are all kind of the same yeah with their own you know small um, differences yeah this sounds like a um uh, a, a paradigm shift in browser yeah. interface it's design it's cool vivaldi.com okay it it's free great we'll have to check it out hey another show went by and uh, <laughs> Without a hitch so far. <laughs> Apologizes. Alpha Centauri just passing the starlight. I guess so. Yeah. So we'll be back in two weeks. Good night, you guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening, Bye -bye. everybody. Good Bye night, Jim. everybody. Bye bye.
you enjoyed this podcast, you can go to kzyx.org to find more shows and content like this one. While there, you can stream us live or check out our jukebox. And if you like what you hear, consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. We are Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, listener-supported community radio. KZYX, Philo, 90.7 FM. KZYZ, Woolitz and Ukiah, 91.5 FM. And Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.